Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. What do Gwen Stefani and Shania Twain have in common? Well, for one, they both have Vegas residencies. But more importantly, on the bottom end, they have Derek Frank holding down the bass. That's right. Derek Frank is on tour with both Gwen and Shania in addition to doing their Vegas residencies. Also, if you live in the Los Angeles area, you can check out Derek Frank at Soundcheck Live. And he's in the resident band there at Lucky Strike in Hollywood. Additionally, Derek has played with Shakira, Paulina Rubio, Daniel Powder, Air Supply, Mindy Abair and the Bone Shakers, and you guessed it, the list goes on. Check out Derek Frank, bass player extraordinaire, right here on the Career Musician Podcast. Derek Frank, welcome to Nomad's Place. Hey man, good to be here. Thank you so much for coming, man. Dude, my pleasure. You're right down the street. It. Yes, very yeah, cool. Yeah, we were, were just we're, talking about how we yep, met, right? We're neighbors, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Burbank. Yep, gotta love Burbank. Indeed, man. Mm-hmm. Now your house, you have a studio as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, got a garage. We uh, That was kind of the main selling point of the house is that we had a three-car garage that we could build a studio in. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people in Burbank are actually musicians, right? Probably Producers, half. composers, <laughs> players. Yeah, it seems like every, you know, every couple of months I get invited to some session and it's like down the street somewhere in someone's garage. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know there was a studio here. That's awesome. But it seems like half the uh, half the houses in Burbank have some sort of studio, you know? Right, so right. Everybody's in the industry. You know? Exactly. And then not to mention writers and yeah. actors and producers, yeah. directors. Yeah, right? for yeah. sure. We're yeah. definitely in the uh, entertainment district here in the hub that's yeah, awesome yeah. yeah cool all right so bro the career musician basically it is what it is right a mm-hmm. lot of people say what does that mean well we've made a living out of playing music so i kind of dubbed yeah. us as career musicians yeah yeah it's somehow we've right? made it work exactly yeah. Yeah. against all odds right <laughs> so yeah. um look first i want to talk about a brief history okay i think you went to the university of miami is that i right? did yeah so what got yep. you into music what was the impetus that said you know what I'm going to be a musician, but I'm going to be a bass player as well. Well, that was early on. I mean, just as a kid, I think a a lot of us that end up doing this, you know, we discover music when we're really young and we just like it. We don't know anything about it. We don't play an instrument yet, but we're just into it. And that was me. I just, I listened to a lot of stuff. I was really into it. When MTV came out, I just could not stop watching it. I just like saw people playing on MTV and I was like, man, I want to do that. Right. So then, you know, when the time came, I, um... I got a guitar, started taking lessons for just a few months. And then I was in a music store once waiting for my lesson and there was a bass on the wall. And I was like, what's that? And the guy's like, that's a bass guitar. And I, I had no idea what that was. So I was like, oh, I want to check that out. So as I'm waiting for my guitar lesson, I start playing this bass. And it was immediately just like, wow, like this is my instrument. This is what I want to play. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. It was, it was, it was kind of like that, yeah. What what led you? Was it because there was only four strings? Were they, they Because they were thicker, the vibrations, the lower I, frequencies? I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just wow. like I started playing it and just really dug it. I was like, wow, this yeah. thing's really cool. Like. And then I kind of learned what it is and what its function is in a band. And, uh, 
Yeah, just started taking lessons on one of those. I, I was a caddy at the time, saved up some money caddying at the golf course and bought a Kramer uh, bass, a Kramer Duke bass. And, uh, I used to have a Kramer guitar. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, that, that was in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. You probably nice. know where that is. You're from Long Island, right? Absolutely. Yeah, East okay. Coast so not too yeah. far away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so then what brought you down to Miami and eventually over here? Well, I... I, you know, pretty soon got pretty serious about it. Like I had my high school garage band. We'd jam on, you know, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. Then my family moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and um, I was kind of thrust into all the all the groups in the school, like in the music program, like there were no bass players. So I got thrust into jazz band, concert band, even marching band because they didn't have tubas. So I played in marching band with a wireless and then like would do the, you know, playing the pit orchestra for the musicals they'd have at high school. So I was just kind of thrust into all these um situations that that made me a better musician you know i had to i had to learn to read i had to learn to play jazz i had to learn you know all all that kind of stuff you know and it kind of made me get serious about music and then started you know auditioning for other stuff around cleveland i played in this like all-state jazz band called ohio jazz orchestra for youth and got my ass kicked in that and that really like you know made me kind of step up and shed a lot and that's a trip how that happens right yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so how did you learn how to read and and play changes and whatnot in jazz cuz you're going from rock and roll to jazz. That's a transition. Oh yeah, totally. I was a metalhead before I did that. Like when I moved to right. Cleveland, I was like into thrash metal and stuff like that. And <laughs> then cool. like, you know, I started taking theory and the and the high school band director was was like, "Oh, you know, we need a bass player in jazz band and all this stuff." And I'd never played any of that stuff before. I'd never read anything. So I was just thrust into it and I had to learn. And I, I got um, got a teacher in Cleveland and helped me start reading. And I got some reading books and I just practiced reading, you know, and it was right. just like trial by fire, you know, sink or swim, you know. Right, right. So like if there's something that I couldn't figure out, I just had to like take it home and figure it out, you know. Yeah. And, and this is the days before the Internet. Yeah. So no yeah. YouTube to just look it up, right? No, no. I just yeah. had to kind of l- learn from books and learn from a teacher and just learn by putting the hours in, just by, you know, kind of practicing reading rhythms and reading notes. And uh, the more I did that and the more reading situations I got put into, uh, just kind of the better I, I got at it. And it was a very valuable skill that I was fortunate enough to learn early on. Right. Incredible. Yeah. Did you ever used to clap out the rhythms before you would totally. actually... Totally. Doesn't that totally. help? I remember I would just sit in bed, like, with my book and, like, a flashlight and a, and a pencil, and I would, like, just kind of, like, nod my head... To, uh, to the quarter note and just tap out the rhythms. I would just kind of like do that for a half hour before bed, you know, That's just things man. like that. Or if I, if I had time where I didn't have my bass with me and I couldn't like actually practice, I would do that. Yeah. Just tap out the rhythms right. just to kind of learn how to read rhythms. I talk about yeah. that all the time to this day. I'll be sitting on the airplane writing a chart totally and yeah. on your iPad, you know, and you can just tap it out and you can count through it and mm-hmm. slow it down. Right. Yeah. Just <laughs> I do that all the out. time, just like on planes. Cause that's like the, you know, downtime you have a lot of times in between gigs or whatever and you're like okay well i can use i can use this three-hour flight to you know chart out tunes for the next gig that's right that's doing that all the time yeah yeah (laughs) we're gonna come back to that actually yeah all right so then you go to um so which is kind of good because you start in jazz band you get your feet wet yeah i got more serious i got more serious with jazz as time went on like i said i got i was in that ohio um jazz orchestra for youth with a you know a lot of like real great players from local high schools I did that, and then I went to uh, Interlochen Center for the Arts for two summer programs, and then ended up staying for my senior year of high school at a boarding school. And it's just an arts boarding school where everybody's wow. there to get just better at their craft. That's cool. So How did, long were you there? Yeah, I was there for a year, senior year. So wow. I did I did two summers, and then stayed around for my senior year of high school. Then I went to University of Miami. That's immersive, though. That oh, boarding totally. school. That's oh man, really it was great. A great idea. You had nothing to do start. but play. Yeah, it really was. You know, we because I was wow. with a lot of like-minded people that yeah. just wanted to play all the time. You know, aside from our you know ensembles that we were in in our classes, we would jam constantly. You know, late at night, early in the morning, like you're with a bunch of people that just want to play, and that just really gives you a head start. You know, yeah. just putting in that many hours playing. I was very fortunate to have been able to do that. Okay, so that got you prepped for Miami. Yeah, then I went to Miami. Miami was the only school I auditioned for. I, uh, you know, I was I was an electric bass player. I never really got into the upright thing. A lot of the other schools that had jazz programs were a little bit more traditional, you know, big bandy, you know, to where like I couldn't really just be an electric bass player, you know, and go there. So really, my options were Miami, Berkeley, or MI, and um, Miami just seemed to be the right program at the time. 
Uh, but you didn't even apply to the others. I didn't. I just I applied uh, and auditioned at Miami, got accepted, and that was it. Bam. So it made my choice easy. You know, that's awesome. Just went, yeah, just went for one school. Yeah. And then, what was that like? It's great. You know. And you've completed your yeah. Bachelor's? I, I did four years. I did take a year off after freshman year. I just kind of wanted to like take some time off and process everything because I'd I'd been going pretty intensely for a while, like with with. Uh, you know, the, the, the summer jazz program I was in and then interlocking for a year. And then uh, after that, I did a cruise ship for, for the summer. Then I went to Miami for freshman year. And uh, it was just a ton of intense shedding for years. And I really just kind of needed to take time away from that and just process it. So I took I took a year off after freshman year. I did a cruise ship gig for six months, saved up, saved up some money, practiced my ass off, but also, you know, partied quite a bit as yeah. people do on cruise ships that's a brilliant plan and, uh, yeah. yeah i just kind of wanted just i just needed a year to kind of like sort of catch up process right relax a little bit as well i feel like yeah. it was just like a lot of information and i was it's intense i was really practicing a lot back then too right um yeah so I took that year off and uh and then went back and finished um and it was great it was a great program a lot of great players i, nice. I played in a lot of bands and just took in a lot of information and it was it was great. What was because I, I used to live in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, I think we had that conversation. We might, yeah, we might have talked about this. Yeah. Circa when did you go? Uh, I started um, in ninety one, finished ninety six. Okay, so we, we're basically the same class. Okay, I never yeah. went to UM. I got accepted to Berkeley and and ended up not going. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish I did though. Okay, man. we well, probably got a gig or something. Exactly. I started gigging. That's, but yeah. I, I knew a lot of the players back then. Do you remember Jonathan Kreisberg? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's New a buddy York. of mine. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah, we've played together a bunch. Oh, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah. And he's in New York now, right? He is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I knew a whole slew of other people, which I don't remember a lot of names, but mm -hmm. I'm sure we know a yeah, lot. Yeah, and there's a lot out here. Yes, a lot, a lot right. of Miami guys: Jeff Babco, Kevin Stevens, Jason Sutter, Brendan Buckley. That's right. There's a ton, ton of Miami guys. That's right. And I know Brendan. Brendan's going to do the show as well. Oh, cool! Coming up soon. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So that's cool. So, yeah. by the way, was it Carnival, Royal Caribbean? Uh, first it was Royal Caribbean, then it was Carnival. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, funny, yeah. man. I did the same thing. Oh yeah. Cool. I did a Carnival yeah. cruise for a while. Yeah. Man, it was. Yeah. It's a great way to make money when you're young. Like, yes. It was. I mean, that was my summer job. Like from right out of high school, all throughout college. Like I would go out on cruise ships for the summer, and it was great because I was, you know, you're you're playing six nights a week, right. play different music because you're backing up whatever shows come on, like right. whatever singers, all the variety come shows on. and everything. Yeah, you're reading charts all the time, and we had a lot of great players. Like we would jam a lot as well. Like. You know, we'd, we'd like after the show, we'd go get something to eat, go back in the lounge and just play That's a lot of times. Awesome. We'd play until 3 a.m. Sometimes I would, I got in, into serious practice modes. I would practice till like 7 a.m., go to bed, wake up at like 2 because you don't really have to do anything. Get ready the for day. the gig again. Yeah, yeah. So I got very nocturnal and just really like, you know, at that time, no one's bothering you. You're just like, I would go in That's the, right. in the, uh, showroom where we would play and the stage would just be empty. And that was just like, I could have the whole place to myself. It's quiet. I would just practice. See, that's a work ethic that I totally admire. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about, man. It's like, you know, that kind of focus and discipline, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times is lost today mm. because yeah. there's so many distractions. There are a lot of distractions. You know, yeah. to no one's fault. Even I find myself sometimes, okay, I'm going to sit down and practice. And then if I, if I dare open up YouTube, yeah. I'm stuck now. Yeah. Now yeah, my jaw is dropping watching other players. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what the hell? I can't do what he's doing or she's doing. Right. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just one example, but there's so mm. many distractions, right? Yeah. Back then, I didn't have a phone, no, yeah, email. no email. No one could get a hold of me. I couldn't check my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. brilliant, man. Yeah. But to, to, I was the same way. I was very methodical and just stuck to it. I really loved the plan mm -hmm. that you kind of carved out for yourself. So you're making money. By the way, any young career musicians out there listening, uh, you know, if you're single, young, you just want to get out and explore, check out the cruise lines because yeah. it's a great opportunity and there's no overhead. You yeah. don't have to pay you, rent. Yeah, you save your money, you know, yes. as long as you, you know give up your apartment or whatever, you right, know, and you're not, right. you're not paying rent. It, yeah. It's a great way to save then money. Then it's really smart. Yeah. I always recommend that to young players like that are just out of college or just yeah. want to go gig. It's like, yeah, do that. Go, go, go see the world, you know, I and, agree. and, you know, yeah, you just get a lot of playing done, you know, you yeah. meet, meet some great people. I'm still very much in touch with a lot of the people that I played with on ships. That's you awesome. Know, a lot of them are, are, you know, have great music careers going. See, there you yeah. go. A yeah. lot of people ask me, man, how do I get on tours? How do I get on tours? I think that's a great place to start. 
Yeah. Go go get your chops up on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Build up all those, like you said, relationships and experience. Yeah. And then things will happen if you're living in the right place. And, For sure. You know, hanging with the right people. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Brilliant. So then, so you did that, and then graduated UM. What brought you out west to LA? So yeah, it's interesting. I kind of ended up here by mistake. It wasn't. I, oh, I didn't. Wow. I wasn't trying to get to LA. It's really weird. The universe has plans for you. You know, it's like yeah, things sure work does. out the way they're supposed to sometimes. And yeah. Um, yeah, when I finished college, I moved to Boston. I was dating a girl at the time who was a singer. She was in the jazz program at Miami. She transferred to Berkeley, and I was like, I'll go to I'll go to Boston. Like, sure. I didn't really know what I was gonna do. Like, I just knew I wanted to play and and make some money doing it. Right. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to Boston. Why not? So I went to Boston with her. Um, didn't really work out just, just, you know, gig wise, relationship wise. And then eventually, you know, I was just like, all right, I got to get out of here. And I, I went back on a cruise ship, make some money cause I was broke. So went to the cruise ship for a bit. And then, um, I had some friends in San Francisco that were making a living playing jazz. They were, they were playing a lot, doing well. And said so the scene was great. I was like, Oh, that'd be cool. I'll go to San Fran. Um, while I was in college, my parents actually moved to LA and I'd never really spent time out here. But, um, before I went to San Fran, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to LA, live with my parents for like the summer or something, save some money, not pay rent for a little bit. Um, just kind of like, you know, um, kind of restart. And, uh, but I was, I was in LA for like two weeks and decided to stay. So Anthony King got you some gigs out here yeah, and you just yeah. decided to stay. Yeah, I, I was here for a couple of weeks. We started doing jazz gigs around town and I just kind of said, you know what, there's so much happening here. I, th- this is the place I need to be. Yeah. And so that was in 97. So I've been here almost almost 23 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Very cool. Crazy. And we ran into each other just by being in Burbank, like we were saying. Yeah. Years. I, I moved out in 2005. So okay. 15 years okay. for me. But I don't think I don't you know. and I met until no, we didn't. 10, 11, 12? Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. And and we figured out that we almost crossed paths. There was a show that you did with Kirk Whalem and I was with Mindy Bear that we were on. It was at Microsoft oh, Theater. Right. And uh, we were both there, but we didn't meet. It was like a week later that I met Lola at dog obedience training That's right. <laughs> and she was, you know, and she was telling me about you and like, That's and, awesome, and yeah. I was telling her who I was playing with. And she was like, wait, did you just do that show at Microsoft theater? And right. I was like, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, Nomad was there with, with Kirk Whalem. Yeah. yeah. So That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> All right. That's a perfect segue. Are you still working with Mindy? I'm not. No, okay. unfortunately not. I okay. just, my schedule got super crazy. crazy busy, I was juggling right? too many gigs and it was one of those things where Something's got to give, you know. Okay, I yeah. know of Gwen Stefani and Shania Twain. So mm-hmm. tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Who else you've been touring with and doing well, sessions or whatever? Yeah, the, those are the us. two gigs that I'm doing right now. I'm, okay. I'm juggling both of them. Um, I started with Shania back in uh, 2015. That's when I joined her band. Um, awesome. Was with her that year. The following year, she didn't she didn't tour. She was working on a record, and I ended up joining the band Air Supply, and that wow. was really fun. We Man, those I had no idea those guys travel the world. They do like 120 shows a year all over the place. So I did that for a while until Shania started get started getting busy again in 2017. I juggled those gigs for a little bit. Um then eventually uh yeah, I just couldn't continue with air supply. Just Shania was getting busy and kind mm-hmm. of had to make a decision, so I stepped out of air supply. Then Shania had a tour in 2018 that I didn't end up doing. She used kind of a smaller band for that one. So I didn't end up doing that tour, but that's when I got the call for Gwen Stefani. So I've been with Gwen since uh, like April 2018. Um, So coming up on two years now. Beautiful. And uh, then Shania started up again. We're doing a Vegas residency. So now I'm I'm, uh, kind of splitting my time between Gwen and Shania. That's incredible. And there's no conflicts yet. There's a few coming up. I'm going to have to sub out a few things, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, The... The good thing is they're both doing a Vegas residency in the same theater, so there's so those don't conflict. Oh, that's so that's awesome. kind of perfect. They're both on rotation in the Zappos Theater in, in Vegas. Zappos Theater, yeah, okay. at Planet Hollywood. So, gotcha. so that's great. Um, Gwen has a lot more stuff this year as well, so um, most of it I can do. There's a couple things that I'm not gonna be able to make, so we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Very cool. Now, when you do the Vegas runs, mm-hmm. do you commute back and forth, or you just do you bring your wife out and just crash in Vegas for a while, or how do you like to do that? Usually, I stay out there. It's just it's just easier. Sometimes I'll come home, 
Um, but a lot of times I'll just stay out there. Each each run is about three weeks. Oh, that's sometimes, not bad. Sometimes four. I mean, this last run was was longer just because I went back to back from, like we we did a run with Gwen, then uh, Shania rehearsals for three weeks, then shows for a couple of weeks with Shania. So I was there for about two months. Wow. And um, I did come home for a week in between. And my wife comes out quite a bit. She'll right. Was that over the holidays? Hang. It was right before the holidays. I think yeah, I remember you like, guys throwing some cool parties on social media that I saw. Oh, okay. You know, just some okay. posts that you were, oh, yeah, we're making a nice dinner here for... Right, yeah. Know, oh, yeah, yeah. We spent Thanksgiving out that's there. That's what it was, yes. Yeah, because we, yes. we ended up working on Thanksgiving. We we rehearsed on Thanksgiving right, right. till like 10 o'clock. And uh, my wife came out and some of the other wives and girlfriends came out. And we just that's had awesome. like a hotel room thanksgiving yeah it was great that's what I saw. it was it that's ended up awesome. being really nice that's yeah. awesome i love that about you know musicians and touring and just being together we're, we're we're all familial by uh you know it seems like that's what we're to gravitate towards right totally yeah food and drink and good yeah. combo you know of course yeah jamming hanging yeah. out that's yeah, awesome yeah. bro excellent okay so I mean, those are those are really impressive tours and artists to be juggling and doing. Just, just, even if you just had one of them, it's impressive, you know. But to be doing both of them at the same time, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate because I love playing with both of them. They're both super fun gigs, great bands, great artists. And uh, yeah, the fact that I'm able to do both, I feel super lucky. Let's talk about like the biggest thing right there as far as business goes. When you have to sub out a gig. Mm-hmm. In your opinion and in your experience, because these are two big gigs, mm-hmm. what is the protocol for subbing and, and what have you learned? What have you found works best? Well, we'll see. I haven't done it yet. Um, <laughs> but I'm, but actually... Um, but you've done it other, in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And, and in the Gwen band, um, other people in the band have. And you, you just find somebody that's good. You just kind of get it covered. And we've been fortunate. We've had some really good subs in the band. Because um, everybody in the band has other gigs. Like, you know, right. Gwen's not working consistently. You still have to fill in the gaps. You know, um, not many artists are paying retainer these days. So it's kind of like a thing where you, you, you have to gig. And every now and then there's going to be a conflict. It's um, just what it is. So, you know, the good thing about her camp is they seem to be pretty understanding of that. So a couple of the guys in the band have, have subbed out. And uh, one of the guys that subbed on drums was the former drum tech. So he knew the oh, show. He, he had, knew it, like he'd the, been on tour. Yeah. yeah, and he did a great job. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, and then uh, a, a lot of times just with subbing, if you have to sub out a gig, usually the the first person to look to is the person that did the gig before you, you know, assuming that they left under good terms, you know, right, right. Um, you know, kind of see if whoever did the gig before you is available because then that person knows the show. Then you're in good yeah. shape. And, yeah. and let that be like the, the underlying lesson here. You want to leave any gig on good terms. Of course. You yeah. know, that's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and then you said, you mentioned that and then also filling in the gaps. It sounds like you have a really good sense of how to operate in the you know in the industry within the industry after all these years um what can you expound on that filling in the gaps you know making sure you don't burn bridges mm-hmm. yeah. keeping relationships in good within mm-hmm. good standing and yeah yeah i mean with me i'm you know I'm, I'm a working bass player i'm i'm a freelance guy hired gun whatever you want to call it so i'm just trying to keep my schedule full however i can with whatever gigs i you know, I can do. Cause like I said before, it's very rare to have one gig that just kind of pays you a salary and you can just, just do that one thing. So, you know, I I think a lot of us working musicians just do that. We kind of, we'll have a couple of our steady gigs and then we do other things in between. A lot of times that's subbing. Sometimes it's, you're holding on to a few gigs at once where you are the main guy on those gigs and you have to juggle. But when it comes time to, to sub out something, you just, you just got to make sure that, that the gig is covered. You know, you get someone that you right. trust that you know is going to do a good job, prepare them however you can, give them, you know, board recordings, charts, whatever you've done right. for your prep, pass that on to the guy who's going to sub just to help him out and, you know, ensure that he's going to do a great job. Talk yeah. about the concept of being nervous. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get somebody who, who they love so much that they might want to, might want to invite me back. How do you feel about the you know, the morals and values of that. And how do, cause I know mm-hmm. what I would like to see happen if I hired somebody to fill in for me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what, what are you looking for? How do you feel? You know, I don't really think about that too much. I mean, the people that, that I'm going to call to sub for me are usually people that are my friends. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of bass player friends that are, that are great, you, you know, and they wouldn't be there, you know, 
in the artist's ear saying like, Hey man, you know, like I do a better job in this gig. Like the people that I'm going to call are not going to do that to me. And they know I'm not going to do that to them. That's exactly why I asked that question. Cause I wanted to hear that. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we have to remind those who come after us you know what? Look, man, it's not all about you. There's enough out mm-hmm. there for everybody. Yeah. And let's be cool to one another. Yeah. Of you know, course. no backstabbing, no stealing yeah. gigs and all that. Yeah. I mean, most of us get our gigs from other people that play our instrument. Word of mouth. Like, from you the get same, you right. get gigs from guitar players That's that need right. a sub. I get gigs from bass players that need a sub or are stepping out of something and need to re- recommend somebody to replace them. Like that's right. How a lot of us get gigs. So we're, we're not going to, you know, try to stab people in the back, steal their gigs. That's, that's not a, it's counterproductive. You it's know? like an unspoken rule. It's yeah. just, it's, it's our creed, right? We yeah, of course. It. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I love yeah. that. All right. Yeah. So speaking of being on tour with all these great, uh, you know, artists, what are some of the tour essentials for you? Gear, peripheral items, packing travel tips list any little insight and things that you say man this like things i gotta have on the road (laughs) you know well gear wise it just depends on the gig whenever i'm starting a new gig i I try to just figure out what what the best sound is going to be what the best situation is going to be there's been a lot of trial and error over the years for that and for the artist sound for the yeah for cultivating your instrument yeah for for the artist sound for the production like a lot of times if i'm starting a gig i'm like okay are we using amps are we not using amps because a lot of the gigs nowadays are are ampless they want a clean stage I've uh, I've started using Kemper profilers. I use them on both the Shania gig and the Gwen gig, and they're amazing. So I've profiled my Aguilar rig. I mean, if I had my choice, I'd have my Aguilar touring rig right. out with me. Unfortunately, in, in today's situation, that's not always possible. So I've profiled my own amp, and I just use it in my, in my Kemper profiler. So, that's, so you just bring the Kemper head? Yeah. I actually, yeah. I, because I'm juggling two gigs right now, I keep a set of gear with each of them, so I don't Sweet. have to physically bring stuff myself or yes. swap stuff out. So um, I've got two profilers that live um, in a rack in, in Gwen's locker, and they take that, you know, back and forth. Plus I keep three bases on that gig and it just stays with her gear and just makes it easy. And then same with Shania, all, all the Shania gear stays in Vegas. We've got, we're all on Kemper profilers. Then I've got a trunk full of bases that I keep out in Vegas. And yeah, when it comes time to play, they just bring that. So gear wise, that's kind of what I do. Like if I'm juggling gigs, I try to figure out the easiest way to to make my gear available. Um, Cause a lot of times I may go right from one gig to the next. I can't go home to pick stuff up or take stuff to a, you know, cartridge place or whatever. So yeah, I try to just kind of figure out what the best gear situation is going to be. That's perfect. perfect. Yeah. 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 And then do you travel yourself with your, on your person? Do you take a base? Do you take a small rig when uh, you're flying or j- just for one-offs? Like we do, we do some one-offs and fly dates. Um, okay. Usually for that, I'll bring one base and then backline a couple more. Okay. Like right. I'll, That's what I'll I backline, do. Yeah. you know, backline a five string, a P base, and then I'll bring with Gwen. I have a, a, um, I've been using Fano bases with Gwen, oh, nice. so I have this really great Fano JM4, and I just I bring one of those um, you carry for the one off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You bring any pedals? A little pedal. Um, <clears throat> I was using a, a Line Six HX Stomp mm-hmm. along with a Noble Tube preamp, and that was kind of like this little mini pedal board that I would bring. But I'm going to start using the Kemper Stage just because I've got my sounds really dialed in for that. So uh, I'm going to get one of those pretty soon. It's the Kemper's little pedal board. Right, and then it's yeah. great because then there's continuity. So no yeah. matter where you go, your sound is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 So, cool. yeah. So typically for one-offs, I'll bring, depending on the gig, I'll bring some form of pedal board and one bass and then yeah. just backline whatever else I need. Nice. How about oh, yourself? You bring a, a backpack, some luggage, what, any tips for oh, traveling? Yeah. Like, any you know, any all, travel hacks? Yeah. We've all got our, our, our stuff that we can't live without. Like right. when I travel, I have to bring a Bluetooth speaker for my hotel room. Yes. Have to bring a little uh, essential oil diffuser, get the room smelling go. nice. You oh, know, I, I forgot to turn mine on. Today. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Like total, you know, travel essentials. Right. What else? A lot of times I bring a little travel yoga mat. I don't know. That, are you <laughs> those, those are, are the first you the type things that come to mind. That because I know I am. Do you follow up with all your airline details or do you say, hey, whatever happens, happens. If I get stuck in a middle seat, if they forget my mileage, whatever, or do you, are you proactive? About oh, that? no, I'm totally proactive. Same like, way, as, right? Yeah, as soon as I know the flight gets booked, because yes. they, they, they don't always enter your frequent flyer info and all That's that. Right. So, you know, some, some places do that meticulously. Some don't. I mean, you know, some tour managers. Right. So I'll always go in there, select my seat, mm-hmm. you know, upgrade if I can, if you, can. That's you know, you um, go, yeah. do all that because people don't necessarily do that for you all the time. So yeah, yeah, I'm totally meticulous about that. I feel like sometimes yeah. I'm a broken record because I talk about that all the time. Yeah. And you got to make sure you get your miles, you know, yeah, you know, man, keep your, keep your status and all that. As you know? much 
as many times as you've been around the world touring, I'm sure you have some good mileage status, right? Yeah, although, man, this year is, is weird. Like, I've lost all my status. Actually, last year I lost it because I wasn't Vegas, doing as... Right? Yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm not touring like I used to. I'm like, right. I'm in Vegas pretty much. And then we've done we've done some one-offs and we've done some a lot of international stuff. But yeah. uh, a lot of times it's not on the same airline. So it's like, okay, I got a handful of miles on this airline, a handful on this. Could be some international airline where... it they're not part of any alliance. So, right. you know, ah, those but, are the worst. but yeah, I mean, all of us that travel a lot, like all that stuff, you know, means a lot to us. You know, we're always trying to like, right. you know, figure out our, our status situation and all that's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You're listening to the career musician podcast by nomad. Follow the career musician on Instagram and Facebook. Hey, this is Derek Frank from Gwen Stefani and Shania Twain's bands. And you are listening to the career musician. Yeah. That's another good segue. You said your yoga mat. So talk mm-hmm. to us about your health and lifestyle. Yeah. What do you like to do to stay? You're very fit. And, you know, what are some of the things you enjoy doing? Um, it, it varies. Like I, I always, yeah, I always try to keep fit on the road, whether it's go running, just go walk around town, do right. yoga in my room. Uh, lately, I've been doing Orange Theory, which is this really cool, like, high intensity interval training stuff. And that's really cool because the studios are everywhere. Like we had a one-off in Singapore recently. There was an Orange Theory place there. So I went and did a workout class there. And so I'm, you know, now we do Vegas. I found a studio out there. It's just great. It's a great full body workout. So I'm doing that a lot. But there were phases where like I I used to run marathons and I was like real hardcore about that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I'd be on tour, you know, doing 20 milers before sound check and stuff like that. Like, like wow. that's something I really enjoy because that's a great way to see a city. It's that's just, so it's just true. get out in the morning and run, you know, yes. I'd be getting back at 10 AM. Everybody else would be, you know, be just waking up, just kind you know, of waking hungover, up. you know, yeah. and I'm like, man, I just ran 15 miles, you know, <laughs> doesn't that so, feel great? It does. I started does. doing that a handful of years ago yeah. as well. Yeah. That's yeah, a great yeah. way to see a place, you know? Yeah. So I, I was really into that for a while. These days I'm not running as much, but yeah, every couple of years I get into something else, but I'm right. I'm always active. Like right. it's yeah. it's a necessary thing. Yeah. That's right. It's so important. Yeah, it's so yeah. important. So, man, all right, let's talk about some of the basic concepts of business acumen. A, a lot of times, I feel like people put music first, and, and as we should, especially for mm-hmm. the first part of our career and training. But then they forget that we're self-employed contract. We're independent contractors, right? Mm-hmm. Self-employed musicians, mm-hmm. which means we have to have a lot of business skill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk about that. Do you have an accountant? Do you do your own accounting or, you know, planning your schedule, uh, branding and all these different things, invoicing, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit about how you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do everything myself as far as like okay, if good. I have to send yeah. somebody an invoice. I, I, I have an accountant, but my accountant doesn't like manage everything for me. My accountant right. like does my taxes and stuff and advises right. me on things. But yeah, if I have to send invoices out, I do that. Just kind of keep track of all my stuff, keep my receipts, you know, stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's the financial How thing. about interfacing for gigs? Do you, mm-hmm. you know, again, in my experience, I really like, lead, if I'm going to hire somebody, I lead with what the gig is and what it pays, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had to deal with people not telling you so then you have to go fishing for that information? Of course, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's always the tough part of, of negotiating a gig. It's the part right. that like no one really wants to talk about, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's get this over with. Let's, you know, okay. And it's always a tough thing when someone is like, was like, uh, what do you want to get paid for this? And the answer is, of course, as much as possible. Right. You know, you Good answer. Can't, yes. can't, say, can't say that, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a, a a tough thing. I mean, at this point, right. I've done enough gigs that I, you know, I've kind of seen the different scales on on different levels, and I kind of have an idea of like what I like to go to to get paid. So right. a lot of times, if I'm negotiating something, I'll think of what what I'd like to get paid. And start a little higher than that, just mm-hmm. in case, you know, because you don't want to yeah. leave any money on the table, you know, right. but you don't want to scare them away either. So it's kind of a tough thing. You got to kind of right. see what level that artist is or what gig that, you know, what level that gig is at and be like, okay, well, what do I think they're going to pay? What, what do I want to get paid? What's my minimum, you know? Right. Um, Maybe ask kinda, some people who you trust. Yeah. Some close friends. Hey, what what do you think about this? You know, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. I know and you've done the gig, you know, or something sure. like that, right? And it's such a sliding scale. I mean, of course, is, like you know, there's some it? gigs I've done that have paid really well, and it's like I would love to just get that rate for every gig I do, but right. that can't always happen, unfortunately. Everybody's budget is different, especially now. Like you know, we see a lot of corners being cut, and That's right. you know, so it's it's a it's it's a tough thing, but uh, 
yeah, we just always have to negotiate. We just kind of think of a number that we want and try to get as close to that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's excellent. No, that's great. Hey, and, and then getting back to the stage, um, you're a great showman. Thank your you. Sh- showmanship skills are just as good as your musicianship skills, which, well, by the you. way, for, for those who haven't heard Derek Frank on bass, you are mm. a mother. Like, you tear it up. You're well, thank beautiful, you. really. So tell us about that. How did you develop your showmanship skills? Was it evolving, which I'm kind of guessing, over time, right? Or it's, does it go back to the cruise ships and whatnot? Or? It's, it's more or less paying attention to my surroundings and, and mm. looking at the other people I'm on stage with. Right. The artist, like how does the artist perform? How does the rest of the band perform? And how do I perform in a way that kind of matches that and doesn't doesn't stand out too much and, and, and where I don't look lazy, you know? Right. Like there's some gigs where like if everybody on the stage is, is jumping around, if I'm standing there looking at the ground, that's not going to work. But yet if it's a gig where everybody's kind of a little bit more mellow you know, if I'm up there like flea, that's not going to work either. So it's just being observant. It's just kind of like right. seeing, you know, because a lot of the situations I'm, I, I get put into, um, other people have already been there for a while. Like right. when I joined Shania's band, they were, you know, it was just me and the drummer that, that signed on for that tour. The rest of the band okay. had already been with her for a while. So, you know, I kind of like pay attention to how they're performing on stage and how Shania is performing. And, what can I do to like to be interesting to look at on stage, but not upstage and not be boring to look at? You know, that's right, that's right. And then the same thing with Gwen. It's like you know, you know, Gwen comes from No Doubt, where those guys are just running around like crazy, jumping around like they're yeah. really all over the place. And a couple of the guys in our band um, are were in No Doubt, so they've been in it for you know from the get go. Mm. So they've got a certain style of performing that they're used to. So um, I just try to kind of fit along with what they're doing. You know, that's beautiful, you know? man. Yeah. That, that makes so much sense. Now, uh, and again, that ties into being fit, right? If you have to run around on stage. Oh, man. Yeah, like I, I, God, if I wasn't in shape, I could not do the Gwen gig. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're running around like idiots. I've seen some you know? videos and, and photos, man. I can tell. It yeah. is a workout, man. I mean, I'm just like, I come off that stage just soaked in sweat. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. it is That's a workout. Awesome. It's a cardio workout for sure. And it's fun. It's fun to do that. I mean, yeah. it's like all of our rock and roll dreams coming true, getting to like run around on stage and jump around. You know, it's fun. Literally living like the it. dream. Yeah. Yes, yes. yeah, totally. Now, do you sing backgrounds on any of the gigs? I do, you yeah. Do? Wow. Uh-huh. Talk yeah. about that because that's mm-hmm. a whole nother balance. Sure. Sure. And singing, singing background is something that I really fought for a while. I, uh, I didn't really get into it seriously till I joined Shania's band when it was really required. Like we were on headset mics, pretty much every in the band, everybody in the band sings like somehow I, I would gotten away with not singing up until that point, you know, we're like, like me the first half of my career. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was in tons of cover bands and stuff and, and it's just like most of the bands I was in, just the vocals were kind of covered and no one was really telling me you have to sing. Right. And I just kind of assumed that I wasn't a singer. I was, all, you know, I, I made a couple stabs at it, like on certain gigs, I would try a little bit, but I never really practiced it. And it's an instrument, just like any instrument. You're not going to be good if you don't put hours in on your own. So true. Um, and that's so something true. that I learned, like when I did it, like I was always, you know, like I, I was always kind of afraid of it and just kind of said, I'm not a singer. I'm just going to play bass. And then when I joined Shania's band, it's like, okay, whatever I can do to, you know, make myself valuable on this gig and vocals. That was, that was a big part of it. So, um, I got like a, you know, a vocal course thing. I took a couple lessons before I went out on oh, the yeah, tour. That's brilliant. Um, yes. I teach a little bit at MI and there's another vocal instructor, a vocal instructor there that, um, I took some lessons with. Um, it's also a great bass player, a friend of mine, Mike Minnell, who's a great singer. He teaches at MI and I was like, man, can we get together? Like, I just wanted to get his concept on playing bass and singing. Mm. So I just kind of went all, all in on it and just practiced, put in the hours and just kind of after a while, I realized that I was getting better and I was like, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's like an instrument. There you, you go. You have to put the hours in. And, and the yeah. syncopation, isn't it a trip? Oh with man. What yeah. your hands and fingers are doing mm-hmm. versus your voice. Yeah. You have to really get over that hump. Absolutely. And it does get easier. It's again, it's like one of those things, the more you do it, the more sure you can is. separate the two and do That's them. And, right. Cause yeah, it used to always hang me up. And then I started having to, you know, sing rhythms that were way different from what I was playing. And uh, I just realized that, yeah, it, it gets easier. It starts to become kind of second nature the more you right. do it. Right. Yeah. I always think of drummers who sing, right? Don yeah. Henley, Phil Man. Collins. Yeah. I mean, that's really tough because they're, they've got four <laughs> limbs going, right. you know, plus singing. That's, yeah. That's I really yeah. admire drummers that can sing well. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Same here. Mm. 
Man, that's awesome. So have you ever been offered a gig where you, you felt like perhaps you, you wanted to do it, but you really had to say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. How do you how did how do you deal sure. with that? What is that like? Sometimes you, you got to know when you're spreading yourself too thin. That's mm-hmm. that's part of it. Like for me, it's like I've I've been juggling gigs for a long time, and at some point, and, and, and you know, I I want to do them. Like most of the things I get called from, like man, I want to do that. I love playing. I love playing with different people. It you know, right. love traveling, all that stuff. Um, but sometimes you got to say like, man, I'm just if I do that, I'm going to have no time to sleep and have no time you know mm-hmm. with my wife. Like I just so I've. Yeah, I've had some situations like that where I'm like, man, I want to do it, but I just cannot fit it into my schedule right now. Right, right. So there are those. Then there's also things where it's just not really what you want to do. You know, yes. if it's like, you know, maybe the money's not right. Maybe just the music isn't really you. Um, and being but, you honest know. with yourself mm-hmm. to to assess these things, the reasons why you might not want to do it, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, even if you have to write down some pros and cons or, you know. Yeah, I've done that before. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, it would be this and this. But if I did it, I might have to leave this gig. And, you know, I'd piss this person off because I'd have to miss mm-hmm. a couple of things. And is it worth it, you know, long term? How long is this gig going to last? You know, am I really the right person for it? You know. Wow, that's yeah. a tough one to be honest yeah. with. There have been yeah. a couple that I've gotten called for. I'm like, man, like, that would be really fun. But I don't know if I'm really the right person for it. Wow. You know, yeah. I, got, I got called for Marilyn Manson years ago and oh. it, it was, it was just like putting the feelers out. It wasn't sure. like, I wasn't being offered the gig yet, but I was just like, wow, like, am I the right guy for that? Like, yeah. I, I want to be the guy for everything, but I'm like, man, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right. I, don't, I don't really know if that's a gig for me. I think as I might, cool as it sounds. Yeah. And, and, and the artist might not be happy with me. Like if I get right. there and I'm, I'm not what that person envisions, then, uh, it's, it's not going to work out, you know? So true. You know, and I can't step too far out of like who I am. You know, I, I still right. got to be me on any gig, but yeah, you know, but I, at that time that that call came in, I'm like, man, I just don't think I'm, I'm the Marilyn Manson guy. That's right. That's, yeah. that's good because yeah. our, the, whatever gig we're doing, that's not our, our identity. Sure. We have to be our own unique individuals. Yeah, yeah, of course. And be honest with ourselves. Yeah. So I think that's great advice. But the cool thing is that, you know, for some gigs you can, you you can bring your identity to that gig, right? You know, with the two gigs I'm on now, I mean, of course, like I'm, um, you know, playing the parts of that artist and trying to fit in with that artist, but I'm I'm bringing myself to it as well. Well, you I think know? that's the beauty of being a, a career musician, a sideman, so to speak. When you get to that point, like you have achieved, where they're calling you for you, mm-hmm. for what you bring to the table as Derek Frank, right? We're all always hoping for that. Yes, you know, we don't want to yes. just be. A guy, a guitar player, a bass player. We yeah. want to be, you know, ourselves. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for right. sure. Um, Liso with Gwen. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. still with Gwen. She is. Yeah, Liso, the guitarist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, I worked with her yeah. with Cat Graham. Oh, cool. I hired her to be in that band. Oh, for a while. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So uh, nice. it just reminded me of something. I wanted to mention her name before I forgot. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a she's great. Fun. She's a great. Uh, uh, presence all in oh her absolutely own. You know, she's got her yeah. own vibe as well totally Gwen loves her yeah, yeah. it's oh, cool awesome. yeah, yeah she's awesome. real cute on stage yeah, and yeah. I love yeah. seeing you and her on stage <laughs> together it's, well, it's the three, fun you Gwen and Lisa yeah awesome. we've, yeah. we've kind of got our, our little things worked out like over time like Gwen, Gwen is real loose with everything it's not very structured it's just like okay on these songs Lisa and Derek come out front but mm-hmm. once you're there you know, do whatever you want. Like it's Go not, it's, it. yeah, it's not like, okay, at this section, like at the chorus, you're going to be stage left. You're going to be stage right. Uh, then you turn and face each other. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just, that's and cool. I've asked Gwen that, like when we were putting the show together, I'm like, okay, well, is there something you want us to do? It's like, no, nah, just, you know, whatever, right, just right. be rock stars. So like yeah. over time, Lisa and I kind of work out little fun things we do on stage with each other's <laughs> interactive things, you know, that's so awesome. It's kind of fun. Have you ever worked <laughs> with choreographers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but typically with, with players, the choreography is just blocking. It's just That's telling right, you blocking. where to be on stage. They're not, I, I haven't done the kind of gigs where they're telling you actually how to move. Right. It's just right. like, it's just blocking. Yeah, it's like, okay, at the chorus, you guys come come out front and, you know, then you're going to walk down the thrust and do this. But there's no thing, like, right. you know, you know, dance moves or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, no one needs to see that. Thank God. That's how I feel <laughs> you know? about myself. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. man. All right. So shifting gears, studio mm-hmm. etiquette. I know mm-hmm. you've done a ton of session work. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that. I think I, I started as a session player mm-hmm. in Nashville. 
really cut my oh, teeth cool. there, which I think was great. Eight years in the studios. Nice. Learned everything that I needed to know. Yeah. Just came out here, did more session work, still do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I truly believe there is a studio etiquette. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Talk about that yeah. and your experience. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of starts with uh, w- with the call for the project. It's like, okay, what, what kind of music is it? I always try to ask questions like, um, you know, right. any specific bases you want, any specific sounds you're looking for, um, what are we doing? You know, just so I know what to bring. That's kind of the first thing. Like That's I want right. to make sure that I'm showing up with the right gear. Your toolbox has yeah, to be yeah. appropriate. Right? And a lot of times right. it's way more gear than you're, yes. you're actually going to use. Like I've brought, you know, six, seven bases to sessions and only used one. Yes. But you got to bring those six or seven bases because you never know when they're going to be like, oh man, maybe like a hollow body here. Because a lot of times when you get the call, they don't know exactly what what they want until you start creating, you start getting in there and, and getting right. sounds and, yeah. and playing these songs. So yeah, the first bit is just showing up with all, all the right gear and giving them plenty of options. Um, I always show up with like a, you know, pencils, pad of paper so I can make my little notes, got a little manuscript book so I can like, cause a lot of times they don't provide charts. Most That's of the right. time they don't. So just prepared to kind of write my own charts. Um, I always bring my in-ears and a little extension cord to sessions because I just prefer that over headphones. Oh, you do? Yeah. Cool. So like I just bring a little cool. headphone extension and, and my right. in-ears. I mean, sometimes as a bass player, I'll track in the control room, you know, so sure. I, don't, I don't need cans or anything. Sure. Um, but a lot of times I'll be in the live room, like if, it's, if we're all tracking together, Yeah. you know, yeah. which I always look forward to with th- those right. sessions. How about, yeah. how about um, knowing when to speak up and when to mm-hmm. keep your mouth shut? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a lot of psychology involved. Like, That's right. um, you know with with the producer the engineer the artist and you know when you get there you just have to be kind of kind of pay attention to how they run things do they like to dictate everything to you and you just do what they say or are they looking for you to come up with ideas and you got to kind of figure that out because you know if they're the kind of person that seem that they seem very locked into what they're doing and very uh they already have a clear idea of what they want you to do they just kind of go with that you know because that's what they want but if they're just kind of like i don't know then you don't want to be, you don't want to say, well, I don't know either. either, Yeah. So, you know, you know, then, then you got to kind of be creative and step up and be like, well, how about this? Or, you know, let's try a couple things, you know? That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, both things are, you know, both things are great. It's, it's great when someone has a clear idea of what, what they want, because then you give it to them and and it's easy. It's all good. You know, assuming Mm -hmm. that they do know what they want. Then also it's, it's great when they give you some creative input as well. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it's just, a, like I said, it's a lot of psychology, just trying to be observant and figure out how, you know, how these people are running things and uh, and just, yeah. you know, fit in. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head. You've, you've said it several times. Be observant. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the room. Read the room, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Read the room and see what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my, my concept of, of just working as a musician. It's right. always... Just yeah, being observant, reading the room, you know, figuring out how you can fit in. Like it's a trip. There is a, you know, there's a lot of psychology involved yeah, with our job. Absolutely, but yes. it's it's a lot easier than people think. You know, mm. you just you just have to pay attention. There you go. You know, not yes. everybody, not everybody pays attention. They That's, just come in. They're like, yeah, this is how I do it. You this know? is me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we're 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 side men. We're hired guns. We you know. We're, we're there to do whatever they need us to do. That's right. Whether it's on stage or in the studio. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. <laughs> so any memorable moments, artists on tour, sessions, whatever, man. hanging out, having dinner, if man. you had to pick one? They're all memorable moments, you know? Yeah, I just try to take it answer. all in, you know? Like, all the travel is amazing. I try not to take any of it for granted, you know? Like, mm-hmm. whether, you know, um, try to just take in all the experiences of, of playing in a different country, different different state that the hangs with with the bands and the artists are always great i always just cherish that time you know and just kind of realize how lucky we are that we get to do this for a living i mean god it's it's amazing even if it's just like we're in the middle of nowhere and we're at an olive garden and we're just like joking around and laughing it's still awesome right we're not sitting behind a desk you know yes we're not we're not digging a ditch we're out there we're out there hanging out and having a good time with like-minded people and then we get to go you know, go make noise on a stage for an hour and a half or so. You know, and like you say, live out cool. our rock and roll fantasies yeah. and then get up the next day and, and take a run around the city or whatever. Yeah. yeah. All totally. these privileges we yeah. have, right? Yeah. I, I just love all that. You know, yeah. you know, you could be in, you know, some 
some strange country at some big festival in front of tons of people and they're going nuts. You right. see people crying in the audience because Man. they're such a fan of like the artist or band you're playing with. And that stuff is, is amazing that like, you know, people can be so touched by what you're doing. That's and right. like I said, that's amazing. But so is, you know, being in the middle of Michigan at an olive garden or something right. with your, with your buddies just laughing and having a good that's time. Right. Like they're all just great experiences, you know, and I, I appreciate all of them. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So words of wisdom, be observant, be grateful. Anything else you would add Abs to that? Absolutely. I mean, that's, and just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of it. Just, uh, that's excellent. Yeah. Those are, good, those are good stuff, con man. Concepts. All right. You ready for this? We're going to do 10 rapid fire questions. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm not going to put a timer. All right. <laughs> okay. Let me take a sip of water here. Yeah. Get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Stretch out a little bit. It's time for double jeopardy. Yeah. We're coming to a close. This is awesome, man. <laughs> and listen, all my career musician podcast listeners out there, take every word that Derek Frank is saying to heart. This is a man who has been um, doing this as a career musician for some time now, mm. uh, several decades, I would crazy, crazy to think. Yeah. I know, right? Same. I think about the same for me, and right. that's the only reason why I divulge that because we were <laughs> in the same era. <laughs> right, right, yeah. But uh, you know, he really knows what he's talking about. He's got a lot of experience, and like I said, if you don't want to take my word for it, uh, take Derek's word. So here we go: ten right. rapid fire questions. Okay, Derek Frank, bass player extraordinaire. You ready? Favorite food. Man, that's yeah, a tough I know one. that trips you up, right? <laughs> Favorite food, one of many favorites. Um, say Thai food, love Thai food. Thai food, funniest thing that has ever happened to you on a gig. Uh, on a gig, god, these are tough questions. I, I, I needed to prepare for these. <laughs> funniest thing, let's see. Um, like for me, it was me, I was trying to do a dance move and I tripped and fell. Mm. That was funny. I've I think so far I've never fallen on stage. We're gonna knock on there. You go. That's, that's right. wood. This you is know? wood. Yes. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Uh, there's been a, a lot of the funniest moments on stage are just observing the audience and just seeing just like the crazy people that come there to you shows. Go. You know, so true. It's uh, a, a lot of that is is just yeah. It's just so entertaining. You know, yeah. I can't. Man, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm blank. I'm not that's thinking okay. of a specific thing. Have you ever been thing. flashed by an audience member? Yes. Well, there yes, you go. Yes, yes, yes. That That's that used to happen moment. more on like cover band, like <laughs> bar band gigs. I, it's never, yeah, never been flashed on like a Shania Twain show. Right. You know, that's not really the flashing crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also like the, oh, a lot sense. of the gigs I've done aren't like your really rock and roll kind of gigs. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. you know, they're so female artists, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just fishing. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I know some of these questions are difficult. So what your okay. favorite activities to do on long flights? We already covered this going over charts and stuff. Some other favorite activities yeah. on yeah. flights? Uh, reading, watching movies, reading, watch listening movies. to music. Uh, playing uh, playing classic arcade games on my laptop. I've got got one of those emulators. I've got all the like classic ah. Nintendo games. So I'll play Super Mario stuff like that. That's awesome. But honestly, just sitting like I I look forward to long flights because it's it's the only time I ever get to sit and do nothing, uh -huh. which is difficult for me. Good, as point. my wife likes to point out. I right. I don't sit still. Yeah. So that's a time when I you know all I can do is sit still, and I, I've kind of grown to appreciate that in itself. I can relate to that <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, how do you spend your free time? I know we don't all have a lot of free mm -hmm. time, but when you do, uh, I love to snowboard. Like in the winter, that's my that's my main thing. I go cool. up to Mammoth a lot. I have a place up there, uh, so that's kind of like my my favorite activity in my free time. Uh, also, love to go hiking. Oh, yeah, love that, dude. I have to interject. I saw the social media post for your place in Mammoth. Ah, uh -huh. it looks amazing. Oh, thank you. How long have you had it? About fourteen years. Wow. Yeah. So it's a house, a standalone house. It's a, con a condo. Okay, and yeah. and so now you're renting it out. We we rent it out. Yeah, we've always rented it out. Like we you know we do the Airbnb, VRBO yes. thing. Bro, so we rent those it when we pictures, can't use it. gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I want to rent it. Thanks. Hey, Dude, come on up anytime. Yeah. Anytime you guys want to go up. Absolutely. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. We might have to figure out we can go together. Dude, though. anytime. And I'll yeah. still pay my. It's half, a blast. Right? No, we, <laughs> we can charge you. Come on. Nice man, that's so awesome. Okay, your current playlist. What do you? You, you mentioned you still listen to music. What's in your current mm -hmm. playlist? Current playlist. I still listen to a lot of classic stuff. Um, you know, I, obviously, like anytime I put on the Beatles, it's it, it's great. Yes. But but 
one thing I'm always doing is like when, whenever I'm hanging with musicians, like people will just play stuff. Like I was in Colorado this past weekend doing a, a ski trip and a gig with a band I, I play in. We were, we were hanging out one night. We're all just like drinking beer and hanging out and got a Bluetooth speaker going. Everybody's taking turns playing stuff. And I'm always just like saving stuff that people are playing, <clears throat> playing and just like creating a playlist yeah. out of that because people listen to different things. And That's I right. love being exposed to stuff and a lot of times it's just like man like this is music that's been around since the 60s or 70s how come i've never heard this right and it's so awesome so i just yeah a lot of times i do that i just save things that like other people play and you know man there's um, so much a lot music. of classic stuff there's so much music out there I know. you know and that's what's so great you're always discovering music incredible yeah. Yeah. Favorite TV show and or movie that you're kind oh, of man. into Se- right now? Seinfeld. I Se- you know still. I, wow. I just man, yeah. I, I'm really lame when it comes to TV because everybody's always talking about like these new Netflix shows or, or Amazon shows or whatever. And I pretty much whenever I turn the TV on, I watch Seinfeld reruns or Family Guy or South Park, and I've seen them all a million <laughs> Those three times. Right there, that's great. Though. But I need to be better about that. I need to start actually watching you know, newer shows. Yeah. You know, well, I there's just, some fantastic programming. There's su- such yeah. great stuff out there, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. for some reason, I just love watching Seinfeld, but actually, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm just started again, <sighs> the new season. So I started watching. What, that. Is this the final season? I don't know. It's uh, season 10. I don't know if they said it's the final or not. Yeah. What but a great show. I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah. I'm a huge Larry David fan. Yeah. So shopping online mm-hmm. or brick and mortar? Both. I try to be good about brick and mortar because I, I hate to see brick and mortar stores going away like right? they are. Um, so I like, yeah, I, I, I like to shop at stores, but a lot of times it's just so convenient to shop online and, um, yeah, with a lot of clothing, I'd kind of know the brands that I like Mm -hmm. and I order stuff online. So I do a lot of online shopping. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I think we've all become a little guilty of that, but I I agree with you. You know, I think shopping for me when I'm on tour, shopping brick and mortar is fun. Well, yeah. Right? You're walking yeah. around, you see yeah. a mall or something. Yeah, or it's cool yeah. to like find like the kind Shops of hip, the and... kind of hipster neighborhood of, of whatever yes. city you're in and Even you know, better. find some cool little stores, yes. record stores, t-shirt shops, whatever. You yeah, know, it's yeah. always fun. All right. Cook, take out, or go out? All of the above. Ah, Love nice. to cook. Uh, my wife is a great cook, so a lot of times Excellent. she does the cook and I just help. Um, sometimes we're just... You know, too lazy to do anything. We'll just get takeout. I mean, I nowadays agree. with like, you know, Postmates and DoorDash, it's so oh, easy. <laughs> um, and then we go out a lot. We're kind of foodies and we love, yeah. you know, checking out different places. And we're, we're vegans and so many great vegan places in L.A. Mm. So we go out quite a bit as How well. How long have you been vegan? I've only been vegan since September. So about, uh, well, like five months now. But okay. I've been vegetarian for almost 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I became a vegetarian in high school and just never looked back. And then That's I got to a point where I was like, you know what? There's no point in me eating dairy anymore. Like, I don't know why I'm eating dairy, you know? Wow. Um, so finally went vegan and yeah, that's that's it for me. Yeah. Very interesting. So what yeah. was the dairy that you were eating that you got I, rid of? I would do eggs. Um, uh-huh. I would do cheese. I didn't do a lot of milk. Like if okay. I got a latte or something, it was always almond milk. Yeah, sure. You know? So I didn't do a lot of dairy, but I did a little bit. So I didn't huh. rule it out completely. Um, and but, you notice a difference even since you got rid of the dairy? I think so. My wife yeah. notices it in herself more than I notice it in me, but she went from being a meat eater to being vegan. So it's a bigger oh, jump. Big For jump. me, I was like, I was almost there anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Favorite cocktail or drink? I'm, I'm, I'm an old fashioned guy. Old, I love I, old fashions. I love old fashions. I yes. I have to say, I have to toot my own horn and make them very well. Yeah, and we're, it's like I'm a one trick pony when it comes to bartender bartending. Nice. And so we, yeah, we we barrel age old fashions. We smoke them. We uh, we make our own bitters. Like we're all about it. Really? Yeah. So you're doing this Somebody at your house? It. Yeah. Come over. Wow. Oh yeah. Come over sometime. Done. Yeah. We have we've been talking about yeah. getting together. So uh, yes. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this very near I, future. Right. Right. It's gotta happen. <laughs> All right, and then finally, if you weren't a career musician, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd live in the mountains, be a snowboard instructor or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I would I would do something in the outdoors. Like, yeah, definitely live in a ski town. That's cool. Figure out something to do there. Yeah. And were you always a skier? I started started snowboarding when I was about 14. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't super so, young as a teenager, but yeah. uh, that's kind of my, my second passion in life Wow. outside of music. So I, yeah. It's on my bucket list. I so want to learn how to ski and or snowboard. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death. Yeah. So when I finally make the trip to Mammoth, you're going to uh-huh. have to teach me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on up, man. I'm going to be on the bunny slopes, Oh, there are man. plenty. Yeah, there are plenty of bunny slopes up there. Yeah. Where can we find you online? What's all your handles, your social media? Uh, well, website is DerekFrank.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-F-R-A-N-K.com. Um, Instagram is Derek Frank Bass. Um 
Yeah, I'm on YouTube, although I've been really bad about posting videos. There's not a whole lot of content on YouTube. Yeah, I got to get better about that. that. Takes time. Me too. Um, yeah, I gave up Twitter a while back, and I am okay. on Facebook. So Facebook, well. Facebook okay. you can just search my name and find me. Yeah. Derek, thank you so much. Nomad, thanks guest. for having me. Great, great to be here. Great yeah. to chat. Great to see your place. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. All right, right on. Till next time. All right. Thanks, man. I'm just a nomad, nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one man band. A nomad, yeah. I'm a nomad, Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info.